Mr. Son of a Bitch, let's play some cards. All right, welcome again to Waxing the Porpoise. Uh, we're here, we're on episode 12 now, and back by semi-popular demand, uh, we are going to talk about card counting again. So this is part two, Confessions of a Traveling Card Counter, joined by your host, Jim G. Baby. And the usual suspect, Steve. How are you, friend? Hello. Hello. Good. How are you? Doing well. Um, so it's been pretty tight turnaround here, trying to bang out a few episodes. And uh, I'm excited to get back. I wanted to follow this up, like, bang, bang. Um, but I think it's good, too, to have a little bit of time to breathe in between um, talking about card counting. We had a couple people with some questions uh, and just overall some good feedback uh, about the topic, interesting topic. So uh, part two it is. Um, and real quick too, I, I just saw this today and I, I had meant to watch it because I was wondering if there'd be anything kind of cool out of that that I could glean um, and talk about today. But I, it's a pretty new movie starring uh, Oscar Isaac called The Card Counter released in 2021 uh have you seen it are you familiar with it have i'm familiar with it haven't seen it everything i've heard about it has been pretty bad really it sounds like it's not yeah it sounds like it's not even about card counting really oh okay that's uh, just like the backdrop of this dude's story yes every every card counter i know that has seen it has just said it's abysmal so Damn. i haven't i haven't even bothered to even look up where I could watch it. Well, now I don't feel less as than bad. zero desire. Okay. Now I don't feel as bad not watching it. I thought there might be some cool nuggets in it, but yeah, I mean, it was, it wasn't directed, but it was produced or, uh, it was, it was Martin Scorsese's like production company is involved with it. Um, and that, Ars that Oscar Isaac dude is, great actor just general so i figured he would be able to more than anybody he'd be able to get into that mentality and like be able to portray it pretty well um the name doesn't sound familiar is there anything that i would know him from you um <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah he's, he's he's a household name now but he i think he's had a pretty good i don't know maybe the past seven or eight years he's kind of skyrocketed up to like mainstream oh he was awareness. in ex machina yeah that was kind of his leaping off point um he made a movie right before that a coen brothers movie called uh inside llewellyn davis or lewin davis i always want to say llewellyn when i see that name but it's inside because of davis. no country for old men he was no i'm saying you probably make that lewin llewellyn oh yeah 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 
Beak is a no country for old men. And they're both, yeah, Cohen films. But yeah, he's in it. John Goodman's in it. Uh, it's actually really good. I, I like that flick a lot. But uh, he was in Star Wars, the new, the the reboot or the the new sequels. He was in all of those. Um, but yeah, he's a really good actor. Uh, he was in the new Dune. He was pretty badass in that. Um, but yeah, I like Dex Machina quite a bit. I like that movie a lot. Oh, you've seen it? I have. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's a good. That's a. It's a mindfuck for sure. Yeah, I I I hadn't seen it until maybe a year or two ago, but yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, he's good. He he's played like he plays a just total asshole piece of shit in that film. Uh, and he's he's his range. He bounces a lot. He's kind of like a chameleon kind of guy. Um, but yeah, so I thought you know being from Scorsese and him being in it, I thought it'd be good but sounds like it's getting ragged on pretty hard yeah i mean at least from the people i've i've heard see if i get off the back uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh this is a really shitty quality bump of mel gibson at peak uh, mel gibson see if i give a fuck <laughs> oh i couldn't i couldn't even make out what he was saying um all right, so uh, and if you can remember, if I ask like a duplicate question or something, we already went over. Uh, let me know, and we can we can try to change it up. But um, yeah, I also wanted to sort of preemptively just apologize if there was anything that is repeated from the previous episode. I, I meant to re-listen to it just to sort of check off, like, oh yeah, we had already covered that or explained that. So. I don't want to. I don't want to talk past anything, but I also don't want to like repeat or belabor anything that we've already talked about at length. So, yeah. Instead of saying, "I'm not sure if we talked about this last time a thousand times," I'll just put it out there now that if we did, sorry, sorry in advance. I think we got like the basic framework and like you know like a high level view on or peek into this world, like from the nosebleeds. Um, I think anything, like, if we zoom in on it too much, then we risk going, like, you know, super technical and, like, the math side of it, which is probably what we would want to avoid. Um, right. Because yeah. so much of that is out there if you want to if you want to take it that route. But I have a lot of – I have a couple curiosity things just about, like, the lifestyle, like, mm-hmm. um, the things surrounding it, um, not so much directly blackjack. And then – I have some like, you know, top three, top five kind of stuff and like maybe some experiential stuff. So um, did you want to start out with anything that's hot burning on your front of mind or? No, the only thing I kind of wanted to hit on at some point is the the pros and the cons, because I think a lot of people when they first get into it, they get and I've, I've seen this with myself and with a lot of other people who they follow the same sort of path of they get into it. They realize it's something they can do and that they get very excited because it's, it's something you can easily do at home, practice, get better and go and execute. And it's, it's very fun at first, like learning, getting better. And then when you start winning and making money, it's fun, but it's not all fun. There's a lot of downsides to it that, 
you could read every book or talk to every veteran player that you've come across and they'll tell you the the cautionary tales or mm-hmm. the pitfalls that they fell into and there there's just no amount of learning that can prepare you for some of the negative aspects of it you kind of just have to go through it for yourself like the losing streaks uh the the isolation the kind of just mentally taxing part of it mm-hmm. there's really there's really no substitute for just going through that so uh, we can touch more on that a little bit later, but I, I kind of just felt obligated to talk about some of that so it's not all just, you know, pie in the sky, rose-colored glasses. Yeah. Okay. I think that's actually a good lead-in because that made, that rejiggered a couple things in my head, one of which is um, you talked about practicing and then, you know, nothing beats experience, and then there's, like, you know, intangibles and things that you're going to, that you can't learn in a book or you can't soak up from talking to 20 people. But um, how long, how long did it take you from like, I think this is something viable that I could do potentially for a living and then practiced at home and, you know, researched on all that to the point where you're like, okay, I'm going to make the jump or at least I'm going to get my feet wet and go, I'm going to go on a two day trip and see how this goes. How much time did you give yourself or did it take for you to make that? Like, I'm going to go this one time. And then second question on a long ass question is after that, then how much longer was it where you were like, okay, I'm, I'm going to push forward and make this, like try to make this my livelihood for the foreseeable future. Okay, so to answer the first question, I think some people are just built differently. I am I'm much more risk averse than mm-hmm. some people. Some people get into it and they just want to get into a casino as soon as possible. Uh, I think that's kind of a dangerous way to do it because you you're you're possibly you're possibly awakening a gambler mentality that you have that you might not have otherwise been aware of i don't i don't really have that that piece of my personality where like i know card counters that are degenerates in hiding right so yeah they like they like the thrill they like the gambling part of it, it you can tell it it jacks them up and i'm not that way so uh for me personally like kind of like a don't get high in your own supply kind of thing yeah and and when you do that, you're risking going too soon before you have an absolutely airtight, perfect game. And it's it's such a small edge. If you do not have a 100% perfect game, you will not be a winning player. That's just that's just all there is to it. There's no there's no margin for error. So for me personally, I I trained quote unquote or learned at at home for hundreds of hours before I even went into a casino for the first time. So you you have to learn you have to learn basic strategy first. Then you have to learn counting, you know, keeping track of the count up and down. Uh, one of the drills you can do is taking a deck of cards and because because the count system that I use uh, which is called high low is a balanced count if you if you go through a deck of cards when you get to the end it'll it'll be at a zero right there's an equal number of high cards low cards and neutral cards so you go you go through a deck just flipping over 
one card after another and you're just keeping the, the running count, you know, like one, two, one, zero, negative one, negative two, negative one, whatever. And then at the end, if you get to zero, you know you are keeping your count accurately. So you want to do that faster and faster and faster and get that down to 20, 25 seconds. And then from there, you you combine the counting with the basic strategy. And I would deal myself like a six-deck shoe trying to make perfect basic strategy, keeping the count. And then the same way with one deck, when you got to the end of the six decks, if your count was zero, you knew it was accurate. Uh, another another thing you can do is take like one card out of a deck, put it to the side, do your count, and then whatever your count is, you can you can know whatever that card should be that's covered, whether it's a low card, a neutral, or a high card. So I did all of that for a very long time. And I remember the first time I walked into a casino, because like when you're dealing to yourself, you will you will subconsciously slow down if you're if you're having a hard time keeping up Mm -hmm. Uh, in a casino. It is, it is a distraction emporium, right? Whether it's like the sounds, the lights, the insane people, the hookers, the drug dealers, the, the card dealers, the pit bosses, you know, it's just, it's a circus. So the first time I actually walked into a casino for the purpose of card counting or card counting practice, I walked in, and I watched the dealer for like five minutes and realized like, oh, the training I've been doing is not enough. They're, they're going way too fast. There's, there's conversation happening at the table that, you know, if, if I'm just practicing at home with zero distraction and then, you know, somebody comes in and asks me a question, it's like, okay, I could, I could have just lost the count immediately. So I, I literally watched for five minutes and was like, oh, I'm, I'm certainly not ready for this yet. So I'm going to go home, train, <laughs> just try to get faster. And, and then what I would do is I would ratchet up the amount of distraction during the training, whether that was listening, like putting a TV show on in the background, kind of trying to pay attention to that while doing the count, <clears throat> going faster, putting on something that I'm more interested in, trying to pay more attention, talking to someone on the phone while you're doing it can help too, because that can be really distracting. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I finally went into a casino to train, I just played super low stakes. It was actually a really shitty game. Uh, it was they had one table open. It was a full table. It was like forty degrees in there. It was freezing fucking cold. <laughs> just everything working against me. It was it the 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 table didn't even have great rules, but I just needed some on the ground training. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you you lose the count. It's gonna happen. And when you do that, you need to just sit out, wait for the shuffle, and then come back. And it's just it's just acclimation and repetition and getting used to it. So I would say I would recommend anybody before they even set foot in a casino practice for two or 300 hours, which it sounds like a lot, but you know, if you just deal to yourself like an hour a day, there's software you can use that trains you and another hour or two a day, uh, working on your basic strategy charts, because you can you can look at the chart all day long, but what really helps is you can print out blank ones and fill them out like that, and that'll really help. And also just keeping it in your mind, like so. If, if you were to go through the basic strategy chart in your head, you know you would go like eleven, you know you always double a ten, you double versus whatever a nine, you double this, blah blah blah, and you just kind of you run it down in your head so that when you're in a casino and you get dealt 
an ace four against a dealer five, you know, in your head, like, okay, because you can almost hear your own voice repeating it from your prior practice. Like, okay, uh, an ace four that doubles against a four five and six, like, and you just, it's like a, a track that you're just playing back in your head. You don't have to think, okay, let me visually bring up this chart in my mind and go up to the ace four and then go over to the five and see, Oh, this is a double. It's like, right, it's just there. Okay. Well, here's a six or two sixes versus a dealer six. I split those against a dealer two through six, you know, and it just becomes ingrained in your mind. And when you can do that, the the next step is then playing for higher stakes because that'll, that'll up your stress level quite a bit too. When that'll put hair on your when you're, Oh yeah. And, and especially, <laughs> I mean, for me personally, I've always been super, super, I don't know, like tight with money. I'm not the type of, I was going to say, you said it, man. (laughs) That's why to interject, it's like, because I've known you almost 10 years, maybe more. Like, I always knew you like, I wouldn't say curmudgeon or penny pincher, but you could say that. Like, you were always like fucking like spot on with your money, you know, like not frivolous spending, just like very uh, aware and and, uh, frugal. Yeah. Um, Which is even and, crazier that you like decided to like gamble for a living. Like when I first like heard this was going on, I was like, what? That's like the last person I would picture making that kind of a jump, you know, like. It, it does make it challenging because you, you have to think of money the way, God, this is going to sound so corny. <laughs> the way, like the way, like a carpenter would think about a, uh, a tool, you know, it's not, it's not money. It's not your savings. It's not your livelihood. It's just a thing, right? It's just a thing you use in this game back and forth. And you will, you will make money if you can get the hours in. But I've, we've actually known each other for 13 years at least. Because even before we started working together, uh, I remember the first time I ever saw you was at a friend of ours birthday party. And it was a Jersey themed birthday party and you were wearing a Dan Marino Jersey. And I remember looking at you like, this guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, cause you were playing beer pong. And I was like, look at this fucking O'Doyle, this piece of shit. <laughs> O'Doyle rules. Yeah. I was like, I don't even know you and I don't like you. So <laughs> dude that's funny because that's been one of my big struggles throughout my life is judging people like fucking boom face value i don't like you and it's funny because the people that i've like targeted specifically like that always become like fast friends or like like some of the friends that i've had for more than a decade are like that so it's funny too because i remember when you started at our place of work where we where we met in an official capacity. Um, I was like, who's this fucking new guy coming in here? And like, cause you knew one of the dudes that already worked there. Like you were like, uh-huh. I was like, he's trying to weasel his, his way in through this guy on an inside track, which is kind of ironic. Cause that's how all of us started there too. Yeah. Same exact. We knew a buddy and they were like, Hey, I got you on, you know? So yeah, that's, that's a pretty funny aside. Yep. <laughs> Um, and it's funny too, when you're talking about distractions, like I pictured in my mind, like, 
a, like a goofy ass like montage in a film of you like ratcheting it up like having your cat like giving your cat some catnip and putting it on your head having a baseball program like your old lady like cosplaying with like those green fucking casino visors like with a fake stogie and saying ah come on you never hit up with a 10 or something like that just oh, like god yeah. <laughs> and other other people if, if i were to make a list of the worst parts about casinos in general, but counting cards in general um, at the top of that list would be everyone hates you. The dealers hate you because you're not <laughs> tipping the way they think you should. And God forbid you win a lot of money and you don't tip them. They're going to be rip shit pissed. Other players hate you because um, you have the audacity to play properly mm-hmm. and they're dumb and they think that what you do affects them in any way, shape or form. And it gets even worse when you start deviating from basic strategy. So, I mean, there's a million examples, but if you think they get mad at you for playing properly, you should see how pissed off they get at you for playing what they would consider improperly. It goes against the book, which Mm -hmm. is always referenced, but it's always referenced incorrectly. But when you have additional information and you start deviating from basic strategy. So one of my favorites it's actually my absolute favorite because of how much it pisses people off is <laughs> splitting tens. Uh, you would you would never split tens, right? That's kind of common. Any any dipshit that plays blackjack even once would know, like, you have a 20. Why would you ever split that into two hands, mm-hmm. right? And you, you're familiar with, like, splitting hands? That's not... Yeah, yeah I know, okay. I know the, the mechanics of splitting. Okay, so... Normally, you would never split tens, but at a certain count and against a certain dealer card, it now becomes more mathematically advantageous to you to split those hands because now you're going to get more money out on the table at a super high count against a dealer card that's very likely, well, let's not say very likely, but in a situation where it's more likely that they're going to bust on like a four, five, or six, for example. So, uh normally i won't split tens at a place that i'm trying to preserve and play longer where w- a place where i'm trying to shear the sheep instead of butcher it yeah you know so if i'm if i'm on the road somewhere and it's like my last day in town i'm just going hammered ass playing as hard as i can as fast as i can Balls not to talking to off. anybody exactly <laughs> but like a local casino where you kind of want to milk milk it a little bit more i i won't split tens because the only people that do split tens are either the stupidest people on earth or card counters and it would take it would take a pit 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 critter as they're called or a <laughs> pit boss uh about 1.2 seconds to figure out which one of these two categories you fit into about and zero splitting- seconds Exactly. <laughs> Shout out Jared, wherever you are. Uh, and there are certain casinos where dipshit moves like that. The dealers actually have to call out out loud because it's so unusual. Sometimes the pit bosses want to know, like, and it's not blanket policy, but I've been places where some fucking moron wants to double like a hard 15 against a 10 which you would never do unless for some reason you knew 
the next card coming out was like a six or something. Mm-hmm. So the dealer, the dealer will sometimes turn and be like double in a hard 15, which is code for like, this guy's a fucking moron or something else is going on. You might want to come check it out. Mm-hmm. So some places will call out splitting tens and yeah. So the pit will come over and, and realize just immediately whether or not you're counting cards or you're just an idiot. So it's not really smart to do at a place where you kind of want to cruise for a while, but I have broken my own rule one time and I think it was for a good cause. So this was at one of my local casinos, which unfortunately now I'm not allowed back in and they were such assholes when they finally kicked me out. I, I want to burn the place to the ground, but so I was sitting there and this was uh, peak COVID, which was my favorite time ever to be in a casino because it was limited capacity. Uh, masks were not only encouraged, but mandated. Mm-hmm. And staffing levels were low. So there you've got, it was so, it was so satisfying to watch these smug floor supervisors having to do the mandatory cleaning. You know, these are, these are guys and gals walking around in suits thinking they're tough shit, but now they're janitors walking around. And anytime somebody gets <laughs> off a table, they have to like, wipe the seat down oh, and the man. rail even though everyone is touching the same cards and touching the same chips it's all just theater for them to stay open yeah anyway so i'm playing at this place and they had it limited to three seats i sit down in the middle there's a guy on the right seems fine the woman to my left i could tell immediately when i sat down like are you mad why are you why are you upset with me like i just sat down and i could tell she's like Oh God, like rolling her eyes already. I'm like, lady, I haven't done anything to you. And I can tell she's just already pissed. So, you know, we keep playing and she is the classic pissed off at anything that I do, whether or not it's correct basic strategy or a correct deviation. And just a side note, uh, I know people who like even card counters who get mad at other people who do shit wrong, like double hands they shouldn't or hit when they shouldn't or stand when they shouldn't, whatever, because they think it affects them. It doesn't. For every person next to you that does something retarded, mm-hmm. half of the time it's going to hurt you, fine. But the other half of the time it's going to help you. If somebody stands on a 14 because they have a good feeling, you know, that could easily help you if they would have pulled, you know, a six, but now the dealer pulls it instead or a 10 or whatever the fuck. So, right. There's there's no mathematical reason for getting mad at what other people's are, what other people are doing. The only thing I get mad about other people doing is taking forever to make a decision. Like I literally do not care what you do, but please just do it. Do you it. know. And how how, how long is like an extreme example of like Jesus? What the fuck's going on? What it, when does it reach that point? Is like two minutes, ten minutes? Oh God, two seconds. Just oh. do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, because especially if you're playing in like the second or third position, like you're looking at your hand, you're looking at the dealer's hand, you know what you're going to do. I mean, right. It's but not yeah, like I mean, there are, yeah, there, sometimes there are casual people who don't play very often that they'll be there with like their spouse and they'll be like, oh, what do you think I should do here? Should I, whatever. That's a little bit different. They'll get a little more time you know because they're not usually there for that long they kind of just want to like fuck around for a little bit and then leave yeah blow a hundred dollars and if 
and if it's bad enough, I'll get up and leave, right? Because then it's on me. Like, I'm not going to sit here and have you grind this game to a halt. Anyway, so back to this fucking bitch for no reason. So the guy, that's my cat. So the guy sitting to my right, who was a nice enough guy, he didn't speak much English. And he would occasionally ask my my opinion on what I should do on, or on what he should do. Because when you when you play fast, you you kind of develop this. Uh, it's like a cadence with the dealer because they can tell you know how to play. So, you know, hand signals go quickly back and forth between the two of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you make your decisions fast. You know what to say and what to do. Uh, other players at the table will pick up like, oh, okay, uh, this dealer is not being a raging asshole to this person. So they must sort of know what they're doing because dealers can be dicks too to mm-hmm. people who don't know what they're doing. So, other players asking you for advice is also sort of a dangerous place to get into because if you tell them what to do properly and it doesn't work out, sometimes they can be pissed off. So usually I'll, I'll, I'll tell them like, Hey, it's your money. Do whatever you want. I would do, I would do blank, but you know, the, uh, I, the advice is free, but your results may vary basically like this is is what I would recommend. Yeah, I mean, it's it's your money, so it's your call, but I would do whatever. So this guy is I don't know if he's drunk or what, but he would he would he would show me like two aces and say what should I do? Or it just it, in like a broken English like what what? And it's like, "Well, split them." I mean, you always split your aces, like literally always. There's no reason to ever not. Mm-hmm. Uh so then at one point he shows me two tens and is like split should i split and i'm like no i'd i'd go ahead and stand on that i think the dealer had like an eight or something and i'm like oh no that's that's a good hand i'd stand on that and the lady to my left is like oh my god like she's just so indignant that he would ask she's like what the fuck like you would never split tens and she's so mad and so i'm sitting in the middle like well sometimes you would it, in my head i didn't say this out loud yeah and then five minutes later no less than five minutes later uh it was getting close to the time i was getting ready to leave because with a local casino i, I try to keep the sessions relatively short because mm-hmm. it it takes them longer to identify what you're doing and you can be in and out so if i wanted to keep the session to an hour let's say at the 58 minute mark we get this crazy high count and so you know the bets are going up bigger and bigger and i get two tens against the dealer six there was i i remember this vividly i got two tens against the dealer six on one hand and i had a a hard nine on my other hand because i I split to two hands at a really high count because there are two other players so i wanted to catch as many of those high cards as i could it there was it was a running 11 with one deck left which is a true 11 which is just a monster monster count that's huge this was in a double deck game if anybody cares uh so i'm looking and the dealer's got a six and my two tens i would split those at a true four and we're at a true 11 so it's like it's not even close to being the right call it is you know, and normally I probably wouldn't in that situation, but since this bitch was sitting next to me, I'm like, oh, this God. is going to be fun. Has so I split done. them. I split them, and she's like, oh my God. She's like, stands up and is, <laughs> you know, 
she's hysterical. So split them. I get another 10 on the first one, split it again, and get like a 16, a 14, and a 13. Or I can't remember exactly what those hands were, but then I double the nine. And so I've got eight of my max bets out there. And she's complaining that I took whatever card from whoever and their brother, and now it's going to fuck up the whole table. And dealer draws, bust, everybody wins. And calls the pit boss over to like point at my hands to be like, look what this idiot just did. And, <laughs> and yeah, so I was talking to the lady next to me like, Oh, that worked out. That was lucky Han. She just still was, <laughs> she was so pissed. Uh, she was inconsolable, but then, yeah, I, I picked up my chips real quick and, and left, but bye. Yeah. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that's going to be was pretty sad. satisfying. <laughs> yeah yeah uh because it worked out but if if for some reason the dealer had flipped to a 21 and scooped everybody's money this lady would have brought she would have been a problem down. yeah yeah she, she would have been a problem <laughs> all right um but yeah so it sounds like you know kind of with anything you know like the experience like i was thinking in my head like this sounds kind of like learning another language you can only do so much book stuff and then they always say or at least i heard and i've heard other people say like to really get it to make it click you know you gotta immerse yourself you gotta like you know when i took spanish in high school they're like go if you're ever like in a foreign country that speaks spanish primarily go to a coffee shop go to a bookstore you know go to a market or something where you're immersed and try and just speak, even if you got to fumble through it. And you just build that muscle memory and that of like, because then you're not reading out of a textbook or your teachers, you know, talking really slowly. It's like, then people are just like, you know, super fluid and they're like native um, uh, tongue and, and you're hearing it and, and, and there's all this other kind of stuff going on. Um, it seems a little bit more amped up with the amount of distractions that you have in a gambling arena you know like in that kind of headspace um so yeah that sounds pretty intense like i i would have been like the same way like if i walked into that i'd be like oh yeah fuck i'm not ready for this and i'd probably be like yeah this isn't right for me like this isn't like something yeah. i think i can do like on a regular basis but um so i guess the second part i i'm still a little murky on so how how long did it take from like getting that uh, hands-on experience and like doing it and getting comfortable enough to where you're like, I think I can make this a go, you know, and like make this my new vocation. So after, after doing the at-home training, which you kind of still have to keep up on uh, regardless, you know, cause it, it's like a muscle that you can, you can lose it so fast if you're not constantly practicing uh, so after doing that and then going to a casino, playing in a casino, uh, I think I, I probably logged like a hundred hours in a casino of just like pretty low limit, just occasional, maybe once every other week I'd go to a casino and felt like I felt like my game was pretty solid. And then this was like, this was all actually leading up to a trip to Vegas that I was able to get in a decent amount of hours in down there as sort of a 
I guess you could call it kind of like a dress rehearsal of what playing full time would be like. Mm-hmm. So back home, because Las Vegas weekend. is like that's like going to the show, right? Like that's as crazy and as like wild as it's gonna get. Would you say like? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that necessarily. I would just say that. Uh, so the quality of games there is not that great these days, but the quantity is such that you can get in a lot of hours. You just got to move around quite a bit because they're they're very sharp, they're mm-hmm. very sweaty. But there's so many other casinos that you can bounce around to different shifts and different days and different casinos. So it's a good it's a good place to practice getting a lot of hours in on multiple days, which is what a full a full time trip is like. You're playing pretty much all day, every day, as much as you can, trying to move around a lot. And it's different than if you were at home and you were kind of just casually going to get a couple hours in here, a couple hours there, Mm -hmm. uh, once or twice a week or once every other week or whatever. So then once I started doing that, then I would plan occasional longer trips while I was still working Mm -hmm. for a, a few days. Yeah, so... And then I would bump that up to uh, every few months. I would try to take a trip for like a week Mm -hmm. and just really kind of grind the hours because it really is a grind. Like when you see it in movies or whatever, it's like you just sit down and you just start making money. It's like an ATM. You just go to the casino and you just automatically leave with a shit ton of money. It's really not how it works. You just have to get the hours in, the, the swings up and down. Are just, they can be insane, but you just have to get the hours in and it'll it'll work out in the positive if you're playing a perfect game. But I guess at some point during that time, I'm trying to remember exactly when I decided like, oh, this is something I could do full time. Um, like I could tell my not, nine to five the fuck off and I can do this. And yeah. Like, you know, I'm not exactly like I'm sure. I think it was... I took I took a trip a couple months before I left my job and it was like a solid week week long trip. I was able to get in a bunch of hours and I think that was just sort of the tipping point where it's like I'm just going to go for it, you know. I'd rather yeah. I'd rather go for it and if it doesn't work out, no big deal. I can always find something else to do. Right. But if I don't do it and I stay at this job, which had become a pretty big pain in the ass at that point. Yeah. If I don't take, take this chance and I just stay at this job, it's, it was just soul crushing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. uh, Usually what I, what I would try to do is because these trips, like the, uh, like a week long trip, it is brutal, man. Like traveling is not that fun after a while. It loses mm-hmm. its appeal pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So to try to to try to avoid burnout as much as possible, I would go on a trip for a week, like once a month. And so let's say I would go to Vegas for a week and I would just bang out as many hours as I could every day, stay in some shitty motel keep expenses as low as possible and during during covid 
like tra- travel was so cheap because nobody was traveling except scumbags. Oh, yeah. Dude, I got a little like, spoiled because I went on a, I took a flight during like mid probably peak COVID and you had to wear a mask and everything and all that. But uh, like on a 220 person uh, max occupancy plane, there was like maybe 28 to Atlanta from California. Yeah. Like I didn't have anyone to my front side or back for like 10 seats 15 seats like i could have laid down on this fucker if i wanted to um it was that was nice man that was fucking pretty cool because seeing the after effects i just flew out um a month ago when things are relatively back to normal um and it was fucking sardines like i was like oh fuck yeah yeah, planes suck like yeah this is lame but yeah like uh, the other things you touched on like wearing a mask indoors not having a lot of uh employees there like it sounds like the ripest time ever to like hammer yeah i i think it will go down as i wouldn't i wouldn't say the best time because all all the old timers are always there's always like a nostalgia for like oh back in the day they used to blah 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 you know whatever Mm -hmm. but uh, in modern times, anyway, it was a godsend. No yeah. offense to anybody who uh, had a rough time, but uh, yeah, yeah. For, for card counting, it was it was a pretty it was a good time. So, I I had a question too, and stop me uh, if you don't want to go down this route. But I'm kind I'm I'm thinking now too. I, I was curious about like some of the the tertiary concerns, or not maybe not concerns, but like. Um, considerations before making this full-time leap um and again stop me if you don't want to talk about this stuff but uh like i know you and your old lady are pretty tight and like there's not a lot of rules there and like you you both are pretty independent and have your respect each other's freedom but what was that like i mean it sounds like you were working up to this for quite a while but was it like hair pulling like a, a fight or was it like was there a lot of um i don't know if you should do this or like anything like that uh, no, she's actually been really cool about it. So from, from when I first started kind of getting into it, just from like a curiosity level mm-hmm. to when I quit my job to go full time, it was about a year. And so during that year, it was, it was con- like, I, I would occasionally bring it up like, oh, well, when I quit my job to account cards full time, sort of jokingly. And then it progressively got more and more serious. And I mean, she saw I was having some good results and I, I would explain like how the math works and just sort of the concepts to explain that it's not just, it's not just gambling. I mean, you, you have a mathematical advantage that if you can just realize that advantage, then you will make money and not really sugarcoating uh, some of the negative aspects of it, but no, she was always really cool about it. And then, she she also knows kind of what you mentioned earlier, just sort of how I am with, I'm not a very like impulsive person. I'm, I'm not like emotionally unhinged, you know, right. I'm, I'm usually pretty logical or patient or whatever. So, uh, and she was also aware of uh, how progressively shitty my work situation was getting. Yeah, I'm sure. So she kind of just was like, I get it. So if this is something you want to do, I, I assume you're not making a rash decision. And uh, yeah, so she no, she's been 
super supportive and I think she enjoys that I get to spend more time with our cat so she doesn't have to stay home alone all the time. Right on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if anybody was going to make that jump, like, you would be, like, the safest person, like, not to worry about, like, ending up in the bottom of a bottle or, like, spiraling into, like, some kind of, like, hardcore, like, jam in a gambling situation. Um, like, fucking yeah. gambling the mortgage away or whatever. Um, right on. Yeah, and That's she knows cool. I'm not out there plowing strangers on the road. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just slaying uh what what about uh and if if this is a bridge too far too let me know but what about uh like anybody else in your life like close to you like immediate family like brother sister mom and dad were they just did you did you hold back as long as possible from being like yeah this is what i do now or like or were no, they like oh, i mean I'm so it was it was you. sort of similar with them too like i would kind of just talk about it as it became like a hobby and then like a bigger part of my life and then sort of leading up to it, they, they kind of all saw the writing on the wall and, and yeah, no, they're, they've all been, they've all been great. And I wouldn't blame them if they were like, this is a bad idea. I mean, you have right. a, you have a good job that's stable and uh, who knows what's going to happen if you leave it, but no, they've, they've all been great, super supportive. Uh, but yeah. Right on. Yeah. Cause I know like, you know, person in a different situation you know they, they'd have all those other extraneous things to deal with too before jumping into this so yeah it sounds like you kind of had like the perfect um platform and like opportunity to do something like this and like you know it seems like you got all the the recipe or all the pieces of that recipe like dialed to like make it something where you can do and not have fear of like you know like spiraling out of control or like, yeah. So one, one other thing I'll add to that is one of my biggest hesitations was I have known people who have had losing years. Like, so losing streaks are measured typically in time between all time highs, right? So if you imagine a graph that's going up to the right, Mm-hmm. let's say let's say your career winnings get up to like 20,000 or whatever and then let's say they get up to 20,000 at hour 100 just to make the numbers easy mm-hmm. and then let's say you dump 15,000 and you're down to five and let's say you don't get back up to 20,000 until hour 300 mm-hmm. that's a hundred hour losing streak right that's right. the that's the amount of time between those two points where or your new all uh, between all time highs. So $20,000 and one. So when you get back to where you were before you had this downswing and now you're up again, that's, that's what is considered a losing streak. And so if you're getting like 500 hours a year is a good, it's a good base. A thousand hours a year is even better. Mm. I've known, I've known guys who have had two, three, four, five, uh, even an 800 hour losing streak damn which it's brutal and i i knew that going into it but i mean just chalk that up to one of those things where yeah uh intellectually you can know that's inevitable it is absolutely inevitable there's no one that can avoid that it's just the way the math works out so you're just but, hoping to catch that where you ha- in like 
the midpoint or or later, like where you've built up enough of a bankroll to be able to weather those peaks and valleys so, or those valleys? So I think a lot of people who quit early hit that downswing early on and it's right. ju- it just morally crushes them. Right. But like from a financial standpoint, when you're looking at your bankroll and how that equates to your risk of ruin, which I don't know how much we got into that last time, if at all. But I think we touched when on you, that's a new term, risk of ruin. Okay, so when you like let's so just square numbers, let's say you're playing with a fifty thousand dollar bankroll and you plug into the software your bet spread of I'm gonna bet this much at this count and these are the conditions of the game. It'll spit out a number that says, Okay, well, this is your risk of going broke, basically. So is that a percentage? Yeah. So let's say it's one percent. One percent, that's pretty high for a full-time player who is making all their money from card counting, in my opinion. Some guys are more comfortable playing with a higher risk, but so that's your risk of going completely broke. Mm -hmm. You can mitigate that even further by let's say you take a 10 percent hit on your bankroll you can resize your bets down Mm -hmm. so that you know if if the losing streak continues you won't be losing as much uh because like as let's say you lost ten thousand, now you're at forty thousand. if you continue to bet the same way that risk is going to creep up a little bit more a little bit more but you can creep it down by uh reining in your bet spread a little bit playing more conservatively it'll take you a little bit longer to get back Mm-hmm. but it's safe but it's safer so you're so looking at even like if, okay i'm gonna make a little bit less per hour this for yeah this stretch but you're and but I it's gonna be a that. little bit safer so even right. even on a game where you have a one percent risk of ruin I, I can't remember the number off the top of my head but in, in a one percent risk the chances of you losing like 20 percent of your bankroll is like 50 percent like it just happens like when you see, if you were to look at every Ugh. professional card counters chart, you will see uh, snippets of time where it's just brutal, like huge downswings for hundreds of hours. But then you will also see huge snippets of time where it's just all positive, you know. Right. But but the 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 way to overcome that is just time. So I think the guys who start have a shitty run early. It, it just scars them and they don't they don't want to deal with it so they just quit i i know some guys who have played for a very long time they started really hot and it just kind of gets into their system and then when they have these downswings later it's easier to swallow because it's like okay well yeah this is just the math working itself out right and in, in the opposite so we'll fix yeah like like yeah so if you look at somebody's chart with their expected value line, that's the stable line that just goes up and to the right on the chart. But the actual value line is the wild one that's going all over the place. And mm-hmm. if you were to look at somebody's thousand hour chart, uh, it could be under the, the EV line for three quarters of it and then just barely get over it at the very end. Right. Or it could be the opposite where they're running hot, they're way above where they should be. And then at the very end, they kind of meet each other, which right. is what which is how it should work. They should eventually meet each other and get closer and closer the longer you play, assuming you're doing the math correctly. But so having heard some of those horror stories going into it, uh, 
I was I was at least intellectually prepared for it, but it sucks because when I first went full time, it was it was in October a couple years ago or whenever it was. And I think about 30 seconds after I went full time, I hit a huge downswing <laughs> that ended up being like a hundred and fifty hour losing streak, which is nothing in hindsight, mm-hmm. but it sucked because it's like, oh well shit. Up until then, my my EV and AV chart had been pretty close, like just tracking each other up and down, up and down. Then I had this huge downswing right when I went full time. I was like, shit, that really sucks. Overcame that, played another, you know, a couple hundred hours with it hovering right around the way it should, and then had another massive dump. And Damn. This, this, oh God, this bloodbath trip that I had up to Seattle, which was so brutal. Um, <laughs> but dude it was i was just getting raped everywhere in the trip that is the worst audio quality of anything i've ever heard i'm gonna get Uh, up on it but finally crawled out of that losing streak so the second big losing streak i had was like 250 hours but you know it it's the way it's the way it works so yeah the the challenge now is as you start losing more and more local places, your circle of territory basically just has to get bigger and bigger. Uh, one of the things we had talked about right before we started recording was my favorite casino around here that will remain unnamed. That <clears throat> this is not the place I want to burn down. The, that place, they are huge pieces of shit. This place was like my version of Cheers. They were so nice. Everybody knows your name. Everybody knew me. I knew all the the, dealers. They were at the bar. They were super, super nice. They had a good game and they just did not give a fuck about card counters Uh, because they were just making so much money. They didn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Somebody comes in there and hits them for like a thousand bucks. You're you are surrounded by people who are just dumping money all day, every day, and they have a, a big poker thing, like they have a, a nice poker room, and they're just making. I don't know if you're familiar with the rake on, in poker, where it's like it's basically just a house commission. So if you've got ten guys that are all playing poker, every single hand the house is like, "Thank you, I'll be having a little, I'll be having a little piece of that." Every single pot, like, "Yep, give me a little piece, that. give me a little piece." I'll be having that. So there's there's no risk to the house in like that type of poker room because it's like if players are coming in and playing, they're just making money. So what happened? Did so, they go out of business or did the place burn down? No. Oh no, they're booming. They uh they hmm. Let's just say that they finally started caring about card counters because and this was just really shitty timing for me. Because there was, there was one guy on staff there who was on to me early, like very early on when I started playing there. <laughs> and he told, he told another one of the supervisors the that he maker. thinks <laughs> this guy's such a dick. So he told another one of the supervisors there, Hey, I think this guy's counting cards. And the way it worked out is the guy he told, um, is was a really really nice guy and him and i got along great like so he actually took a job at a different casino but on his last day 
he's like a floor supervisor. You know, he's in charge. He's the one walking around. On his last day, he decides to hop in as a dealer. And so he's like rotating around, just dealing to different tables. So like an hour before he leaves for his last, the last time at this casino, he rotates into my table and uh, he's like, you're pretty good. I was like, oh, thanks. I appreciate it. You know, I, I lose a lot, but you know, it's fun or whatever. You know, there's like a, <laughs> there's an endless encyclopedia of dumb shit you have to say to sound like a gambler and not sound like you know what you're doing. Right. And it, 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 it becomes like physically sickening saying some of these things because it's like god you just feel like such a dipshit but so he's like yeah you know you're pretty good and then he like turns around and kind of looks at that other supervisor and he's like uh he thinks you're counting cards i was like oh shit really and he's like don't worry i told him you're not he's like oh wow thanks so i broke my own rule well i broke my own rule and actually tipped him as a dealer because normally tipping dealers gets you nothing at all but him telling that other guy that I'm not counting cards when this guy clearly knows I am, uh, that was worth money to me. And having that knowledge was valuable because now I know I need to steer clear of this guy because he's on to me, confirmed. So that was worth the $10 I tipped this guy. So fast forward a year, maybe more. Uh, and I had a routine where I would go down there because it, it's a little bit of a drive from where I live. So I'd go down there, play like all day, stay the night, play all day, and then come home. And I would do that like once a week in between these trips that I would take because they just didn't give a shit. Right. So uh, one morning I walk in there and it's like saying hi to every single dealer that I know. And the the types, the times and days that I would go in there, it was usually just dead, which is perfect because you play fast, whatever, don't have to talk to anybody. And so I sit down and I start playing and there was there, there were at least two or three dealers that knew what I was doing and they were, they were all very different about it. One guy, super cool, knew what I was doing, didn't say shit. He would just deal fast and he was super cool about it. Another guy knew what I was doing was a piece of shit. He would always make little comments about it. I think trying to elicit tips for his silence, but He's an asshole. Didn't tip him. Uh, and then the third guy, super nice guy. And he was like a huge fan of card counting. He didn't really understand how it works, but he would always be like, Hey, so do you like, do you like keep track of all your wins and losses? Like he would, he would ask these really bizarre questions, but I could tell he was, he was an, an admirer of card counting, let's say. Weird. So, and he would always he would always ask questions about it at the table. He'd be like, "What's the count right now?" And I'm like, "Dude, shut the fuck up! Your like your boss is like right behind you. It we can talk later about this if you want because we would sometimes uh, talk away from the table." Yeah, I was like, "Dude, have please have a little discretion." Uh, so I'm playing with this guy, and he's like, "Yeah, we had uh we had some some drama here this morning." And keep in mind, I'm there at like seven or eight in the morning. I'm like, what, how early, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, we had a guy come in and he was clearly counting cards and he was being super overt about it, not trying to blend in at all. He's like saying the count out loud, saying that he's counting. He's betting from table minimum to three hands of table max. 
and people are just freaking out. Like the people that work there are like, this guy is a, is a problem. Mm-hmm. So they kick this guy out, which is not something that they do a lot. They don't kick a lot of people out in in the traditional way so they kick this guy out 15 minutes later this other guy comes in and he starts firing one hand a table minimum to three hands a table max and they're like okay well we know you're obviously friends with this other guy or betting on his behalf so you're gone too so now they're pissed and the, the table max is not low there it's it's serious money this guy's throwing around Mm -hmm. And so then I come waltzing in like, hey, everyone, like saying hi to all these dealers that I've come to know for a long time. And I start moving my money around. And that that the supervisor who originally was on to me, he was working that day, but he had kind of backed off since then, since the original the original interaction I was telling you about. And he's like sniffing around the table. He's like looking at me. I look over at one point and he's like holding up his phone the way you would if you're taking a picture of somebody. Oh man. And I'm like, oh no. And so I'm talking to the dealer, you the cool one. God. And so I was like, I was like, oh shit, man. I think I'm I think I'm done. I think they're gonna get me here. And he's like, No, you're good, man. Don't worry about it. And then <laughs> Like a minute they're like, later, the, he there's comes a guy over. behind you with like a mugshot background, like they're framing you up, and he's like, Oh, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So then a minute later, he comes over and I get my uh, my walking papers, but you're it was it was such a bummer. And I, I went back a couple times after that, hoping to avoid avoid that one particular supervisor, but every time they got me, so they obviously got a good picture or they just knew who I was. Have and, you ever thought, I know we brushed on this before, but like a place like that, that you really liked and it was like a quote unquote honey hole, would you ever consider like, you know, not going as far as like fucking Nicolas Cage and face off, but, um, uh, I want his face off. Uh, how far would you go to like fucking shaving your face and like dyeing your hair and like coming up with some like. Like, has, have you ever thought about, like, doing something oh, like yeah. nuts, like Ms. Doubtfire style? Yeah. And, uh, like, I, I know people who have literally bought expensive prosthetic, like, masks. <laughs> and, that like, these cool. things are Hollywood-level special effects, thousands of dollars. Yeah. Uh, I don't think at this particular place it would work just because I spent so much time there. and. I mean, they would recognize you. You would have a hat, a mask. They could only see your eyes, and they would they would recognize me immediately from across the room. You got a couple caterpillars uh, on top of your eyes too, by the way. So I do have I do have some authoritative <laughs> eyebrows. That's for sure. <laughs> There's um, like it's like you got two Tom Selleck Magnum PI stashes above yes. each eyeball. But no, uh, notably, <laughs> there are two of them. It's not one. There are two separate. Yes, no separate unibrow. In, like separate you have, you have two equal. independent uh, Selleck stashes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was a sad day. I mean, one thing that is funny about pit staff and their mannerisms, you can always tell when they're talking about you, especially when they're on the phone, because they cannot help but stare at you so 
it, there, there are a lot of things that the pit staff are doing that have nothing to do with player evaluation or anything like that. They're just doing normal procedural stuff. So a lot, a lot of people, when they are fresh, they get nervous every time they hear the phone ring. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not totally immune to that myself either. Sometimes I'll be at like the grocery store and if the type of phone they have there is similar to like the casino type phone, mm-hmm. when you hear it, it just like, it, it hits something inside you. Yeah. It, you know, it just wakes that up. Fucking but, Pavlov's dong. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if you see them on the phone and they're trying to be discreet, but they're also looking right at you, that's, that's a classic sign that, oh, they're talking about me because you know the person in surveillance will be like, "Hey, the guy who's sitting at second base on table twenty-one," and they'll just immediately look over at you, and they can't help it. <laughs> and then when you look over at them, if if it's innocent and they just happen to be like looking in your direction, talking about something else, they'll kind of just like keep looking towards you and just look kind of bored. But if they're talking about you, they'll try to really sneakily avert their eyes, even though their face and everything is still pointing at you. Like directly at you. <laughs> yeah. So stand straight that, up that's, now like a wedding. Dick. Nice cut. <laughs> that's so bad. <laughs> oh my god. Um, Boys with toys. Yep. Uh but yeah, that's one of those fun little like psychological things that you you start to pick up on later. Um, so uh, one one funny story, real quick, about different different pit bosses have different demeanors. You know, some of them think they're really tough, and some of them think that they're in the mob and they kind of walk around like they just like that yeah. fake tough guy Joe hey, Pesci you, kind of vibe. What are you doing there? Yeah, but then other guys you can tell are super non confrontational. And I actually feel bad for those guys when they come to kick you out. So, there you is... imagine like like the uh, the prototype that they would actually have to defend against, and like seeing them having to be like and deal with that situation. Yeah. Well, it's like I don't know. I don't understand how these passive guys deal with drunk patrons or God forbid people who are actually cheating or committing crimes. Like right. That's what I mean. So, like how do they deal with that? Like they probably just call security. But with, with card counters, they're probably like, just handle it, you puss. Yeah. So there's uh, there's this chain of casinos in Vegas that are called Stations Casinos, and they're all over. There's like Palace Station, which is pretty well oh, known. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Those That's where some, OJ are... like beat the shit out of that guy and tried to steal his merch back or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, those, but I, I, I stayed at a Sunset Station, I think it was, yeah. uh, one time. Yeah. For me, it's like that seems like the perfect balance of like cheap, yet it's still like a nice place and like a night. Like, I I feel like you get a shit ton of bang for your buck there versus yeah. going, you know, like so, we're going to go to the Mirage or the fucking, you know, the Bellagio, shit like that. Yeah, they're, they are definitely an off strip chain, right? right? Palace Station is close, but they're not on the strip. Uh, so, but they ha- they have properties all over, from way out west in Summerlin to down in Henderson, where you were at Sun- Sunset Station, down mm-hmm. out towards Hoover Dam. But they have these fucking billboards all over town that will show like some poor old lady who's ret- gambling her you know social security, and it'll show her holding a check for like a thousand dollars, 
that she won on a slot machine. And the tagline on all of these billboards is, you know, stations, casinos, we love winners. And <laughs> they are all over and they are so annoying because, uh, well, they've kicked me out of their casinos so many fucking times. It's infuriating. <laughs> and they, they can be assholes at some of them. But so I had always wanted to. And this is not a unique story to me. I, I've, I've talked to other people who do the same thing because it's hilarious. I've always wanted to, when they're kicking me out or trespassing me or walking me to my car, be like, uh, what the fuck? I thought you guys liked winners. This doesn't make any sense. This isn't fair. You, no, I will you not have, make out with you. You have billboards all over town saying how much you love winners. I don't understand. <laughs> Are you going to put me on one of those billboards? Or So I've been wanting to do that for a while, but I just I never had the presence of mind. Like It just never... I don't know. I would always kind of go into like, okay, just get the, get your chips. If they're going to give you a hard time, just leave. Just get out of here and yeah. move on to the next place. That's like the regimented this partic- like survival mode. Like, boom. boom yeah, you kind of go into autopilot. But yeah. on this particular trip, this was, I think, my last day in town. So I was kind of just in fuck it. Let's burn. I'm going to burn this motherfucker <laughs> down mode. And so I, I was at one of their not. other. What? I said you better not from orange county oh i was going with uh harold and kumar just thinking of those tasty little burgers (laughs) makes me want to burn this one uh so yeah it was my last day or second to last day and so i'm at i'm at one of their sweatier casinos and i didn't even play for that long and then this this poor nervous bastard comes over (laughs) and he's like hey uh they uh, they don't want you to play anymore. And I'm like, what? That the, <laughs> that sentence doesn't make sense. What are you talking about? And so I, I I was just like, I was confused. Like, are you actually kicking me? Like in my mind, I'm like, are you actually kicking me out, or are you just kind of making small talk? What do you mean because by that? By saying, yeah, by saying they don't want you to play anymore. That that could be a pit boss who's trying to be cool. That's like. Hey, they, they can tell you're good or whatever, but it's like, so I look at him and I'm like, that was my cat. I didn't say that to him. <laughs> I look over, I'm like, what? And he's like, they, uh, they don't want you to play anymore. And he like points up at the surveillance cameras and he had just been on the phone. I'm like, all right. And he's like, uh, so, you know, just go ahead and cash out and leave. And so one of, <laughs> one of the, one of the questions I'll usually ask when they back you off is like, okay, but they're not going to give me any problems at the cage, right? Because then if they do, I can be like, get, get fucking Bill over here. Cause he just said that you guys wouldn't give me a problem. Uh, but he's like, Oh no, no, no problem. No problem. And so then he walks away and I, I remembered, I was like, yes, I, I finally get to do it. So I was like, Oh wait, Hey, come back. And he comes no, back like, uh, 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 y- yeah. Hey, what's up? And I was like, and I was like, Bob, I thought you guys liked winners. I don't understand. And, I, I felt bad because of how uncomfortable he was because he kind of just nervous laughed. It it would have been more fun if it was one of these dickhead fake tough guys. Yeah. You know, but he just had like this really awkward, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I just, I don't, I don't know. Basically yeah. like, I just work here. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I just answer just, the phone. He was stuck in neutral, just grinding gears. Yeah. So <laughs> they, they didn't give me problems at the cage and then I left, but, uh, yeah, one one other real quick fun story about fake cuff assholes. 
not quick, wanting to cash your chips. That that's the second time now your cat has come around and turned his at or her ass to your face and straight faced me dead on in the computer and like <laughs> just giving me daggers, dude. It's a sign of dominance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was at I'll even say because I don't give a shit. Treasure Island, which is a shithole casino. <laughs> Where's um, this at? And Treasure Island's in Vegas. It's oh, like okay. on the north side of the strip. It's uh, yeah, it's a bummer because they they have they've had some good games in the past, but last time I was there it was all dog shit, unfortunately. Anyway, so I started wagering a lot of money, and so they come over and they ask you for ID. I'm like, oh, sorry, I don't have it. I, I left it in the room. And they're like, okay, well, you've got to go then. I'm like, okay. That's like the level below actually backing you off. It's just trying to get your ID. And then and it's not like when you give it to them, they're like, oh, okay, go ahead, keep playing. You're going to give it to them. They're going to scan it, take a picture of it, write it down, and then, and then kick you out. Yeah. Yeah. And then so now they never have never the play to offer that up. Right. Uh, which I, w- I, I will tell you a funny story about the first time I ever got kicked out of casino in a minute if you want. But yeah. So at Treasure Island, I had you know, I don't know, like a thousand dollars in chips or whatever. And I go to the cage and they're like, we can't cash you out without ID, which is horse shit. Like we talked about last time. It's a lie. They're lying and they're just taking a shot trying to get you to give up ID. Right. And so I was like, I'm, I'm not giving you my ID. And they just stood firm. They're like, okay, well, we're not cashing you out. I'm like, okay, no problem. So then I left. (laughs) And one, one fun fact about Las Vegas is a lot of those casinos will exchange the other's chips. So I left there and went to a different casino. And I think I had like $1,000 Treasure Island chips. So, you know, it wasn't like I had some huge denomination chip that's being tracked and they don't want to deal with it. Like these $100 chips aren't that big of a deal. So I go to this other casino and I was like, hey, do you guys, will you guys cash other casinos chips? Because it's pretty, it's common that they'll do that. And the guy's like, well, we won't cash them, but we'll exchange them for our chips if they're in the book. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, in the book? What do you mean? And he pulls out this binder, this, you know, <laughs> six inches thick. Yeah. And so he's looking up to see if those chips are valid and active or whatever. So he looks them up. He's like, yep, you're all good. So he takes those chips, gives me theirs. I walk away. I come back five minutes later to a different person at the cage. Like, I'd like to cash these chips, please. Yeah. And they cash me out. It's like, wow, great fucking system. Good job, mm-hmm. Treasure Island, <laughs> trying to stand your ground and not cash me out. That took me all of 30 seconds to circumvent that. This little prick's trying to stonewall me. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if anybody's having trouble cashing chips in Vegas, uh, keep the denominations low. Try to do it at a different spot. Would you or, ever tr- or fight if you really want to? Would you ever try to do that like proactively? Like just do what? like even if you weren't having a problem with the cage, if you knew like if you're playing at place A and you knew that place B across the street caches their chips too or will swap you out chips, would you ever do that like deliberately for Oh yeah. Like yeah. Just like as a part of your regiment and like you're in your your tool bag you know yeah so having a chip inventory is very important so if if you're going in betting a serious amount of money you're going to be buying in a lot so you're going to be losing and then just rebuying rebuying over and over 
And at a certain point, you might hit certain internal thresholds there. Like, wow, this guy's bought in for X amount already. Now we really want to hammer him for his ID or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it is so much more convenient to go into a casino with a shit ton of their chips already. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it there definitely would be a time where it would behoove you to leave with chips from here and cash them over here or... You know, if you're planning on coming back the next day, like if you're planning on playing a casino the next day, um, just buy a shit ton of chips the night before and then just walk with them and you can just use them the next day that 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 might get you in a little bit of hot water. Like the uh, the incident I had where I was telling you the tribal fox surrounded my car in the parking lot. It was because I had I had gone on a really hot run at the end of a session but I only cashed out a small amount of those chips because mm-hmm. I only wanted to even out the cash that I had bought in for. And so I wanted to keep all the rest of them. That was my uh, winnings mm-hmm. just to make it easier for like my cash accounting. I was like, I'll just cash in this amount. So then everything that I have on me is back to even and then whatever. And they followed me out and they're like, that, we just think it's really weird that you would win, you know, X amount of dollars, but only cash in whatever. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm going to come back and play more. And they were just super weird about it. So mm-hmm. yeah, just uh, as a cautionary tale, some sometimes sh- stuff like that can trigger them. But, but at the end of the day, casino, you there, casinos are extremely unpredictable. You can, you never know what's going to set them off. Mm-hmm. What, what they won't even pay attention to. It's bizarre. Yeah. And it, it really just is unpredictable. I had kind of a couple quick hitters before they fall out of my head again, but um, kind of like you are recording, t- right? Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I am undergoing a karmic cleanse. Uh, the uh, kind of some like top three, top five kind of scenarios, and a couple okay. places too. I'm curious about, and I guess this will tie into. I have a, I have a, a greater question that I want to get to about like regions and how you brushed on like you know having to move your sphere of play out farther and farther. Um, but this is top of mind because I I thought it was just like a fucking like a old brother where art thou like geographical oddity like two weeks away from everywhere. Uh, we, when I drove cross country to move from California to Indiana, we drove through, uh, we came up, uh, we just took, it's easiest drive ever. You just, you get on 80 for 33 hours, basically. Um, so we went up, yeah, we went up through, uh, like grass Valley, went that way, took 50 and then, uh, all the way through Nevada and then all the way through Utah, which by the way, that stretch from fucking, uh, like the back half east of Nevada and the whole front, like three quarters of Utah is like Mad Max. Like, I don't know if you've driven that stretch, but dude, it's like, it's fucking desolate. And at night it's freaky too, because you got salt flats on your left and right, like one power, like just a continuous power line stretch and nothing, absolutely fucking nothing. And uh, just two lanes, like for like, 200 miles um and the wind was like going sideways it was it was really eerie like you felt like there was fucking like i don't know it was a a super weird feeling anyway right on the border of uh nevada and utah there's this fucking oasis that springs up and it's called west wendover Wendover. yeah wendover yeah have you ever played there 
I have never there? played there. Um, there are a few towns in Nevada that are like right on the border with other states, you know, like Reno, obviously, and Wendover, and then I think Mesquite. No, not Mesquite. Uh, Laughlin, yeah, in the southeast by Arizona. You know, there's a lot of those little shit towns for people to come right from, across uh, the border from those other states. Yeah, yeah, like that was. Like no, the, I have not. I've not had the pleasure. Dude, it's wild. It's like, uh, like they have, like they have a pepper mill there. I'm looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. This place that jumped out to me, it was the Rainbow Casino Hotel, uh, and Travel Center. And it, dude, it's like this massive, like neon rainbow thing. And like, just all this like crazy shit. You go from like, like, uh, area 51, like probably some lizards with three heads and shit desolate into just like this crazy, like casino town. But I didn't know how, how big that was on your radar or if you've like seen that and be like, put a pin in it, like maybe, you know, down the road, I might hit it or. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely on my radar, but I just haven't made it there yet. So, and I, I guess, well, before we get to that too, so what, what's your, I'm curious, what's your, uh, and if you feel comfortable saying this, um, what's like your top three or like top five, like not, not even targeted to like a casino, but like regions, I guess would be maybe a safer question. Um, I don't know if I really want to get into that because okay. that's totally cool. I was just curious. I wasn't sure if you wanted to dip in that far into inside baseball, I guess then. So corollary to that then is like, I'm curious about like the planning stage, like um, how much, how much research do you do on a given area or like uh, when do you feel like it's necessary? Like, okay, I need to start kind of, I mean, I guess it's necessity, you know, like if you're, if you're getting, blackballed from certain places you kind of have to expand but um maybe yeah like kind of just going through like the thought process and like the research like how much time do you like look at a specific region or a particular like avenue of casinos in a place before you'll be like okay i'm gonna fuck this is my next this is my bitch or um yeah have you ever thought about going like far like all the way to like atlantic city or like playing like uh I know there's another one up by in like New England, Fox something. Um, Foxwoods, up Fox in Connecticut. Um, yeah, so there... he's never been there. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's casinos all across the country, um, and they're just building more and more all the time. Thankfully, um, so there are resources out there that sort of keep track of blackjack playing conditions. Probably the most popular one is a periodical that's called current blackjack news or CBJN. And they hire people to basically go around in different regions and sort of report back on this casino has this many tables of this type of game with these rules. And these are the table limits and, you know, uh, maybe a couple other little notes. So that's kind of like your scouting report. Yeah, it. I have found the information to be mediocre at best, as far as accuracy. Uh, there, there are other resources out there that are okay, but not great. That'll that'll at least show you where casinos are at, that have table games. Uh, the most valuable resource I've found is just talking to other people. So 
I talk to like, so I, I've run into a decent amount of card counters out in the wild. Not a ton, not as many as you might think, but a decent amount. And like there was one guy, I sat down at his table and the etiquette is if you sit down at a table and the, somebody's already there counting cards, you're supposed to allow them to continue playing because when you have two at the same table, it basically just doubles the amount of scrutiny, right? If they, if they weren't noticing what this person was doing, they might notice when both you guys are raising and lowering your bets at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I sit down at this table. It's a double deck table, so it goes pretty quick from beginning to end. And it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly that this guy's counting. So I'm only there for one shoe. And so at the end of the shoe, I, I get up and I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you play alone or whatever. I can't remember what exactly I said. And so we kind of exchanged like pleasantries, like, hey, thanks. I appreciate it. You know, just kind of like a wink and a nod. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up talking later. And he was telling me about, you know, the market that he's from. And it, it, would, it wouldn't have necessarily been high on my list of targets to hit. But having some inside info of like, okay, if you're going to come, don't play here because they talk to these people and the games are shitty. But if you go play here, this is when you should go. And this this is a good game that isn't even on any of these uh, uh, directories, we'll call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, ha- having inside info is the most valuable thing. But I, I another cautionary tale I would I would warn people about is because information is so valuable in this world, uh, do not allow yourself to get taken advantage of because mm-hmm. I've had it happen to me a couple times and I won't let it happen again where somebody sort of offers you information. And so like this guy, he tells me all about his region and the polite thing to do would be for me to reciprocate and say, hey, I'm very familiar with this region. Right. If you're ever in the area, let me know and I can sort of give you the same courtesy you gave me. But I've had it happen twice that I can think of where somebody was like, either I reached out to them or they reached out to me because I knew that they were in a certain region or they knew I was. And there was sort of like a, hey, uh, I'll give you the full rundown on my area when I get to my hotel or whatever. But can you give me a a rundown of X area? It's like, oh, yeah, sure. Blah, blah, blah. And then then that information never comes. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, I, you know, so uh, that's fine. But those, I mean, reputation is a big deal. Mm-hmm. So if, if people start to know, like, oh, this guy is just, he's kind of a flake, or he's, you know, he'll he'll offer information and then never give it back to you. They're the the worst thing you can be branded is a thief, because mm-hmm. there are there are a lot of people who do team plays. We'll just call them, and if if you steal. You're, it's a scarlet letter on you forever, and no one will ever work with you ever again. And damn, so don't don't steal, uh, don't represent yourself to be something that you're not. And if somebody shares information with you, share it back. And yeah, I mean that that's probably one of my biggest weaknesses is the whole networking concept because I hate the idea of people selfishly trying to become friends with other people just for information. Right. Like I've, I've met, I've met a couple guys out in the, in the wild that are super, super like well-known in, in the, in the card counting world. Cause it, it's a small world 
and like I I would I would be willing to wager my house that if I said a certain person's name, 99% of people who count cards would be like, oh yeah, I know that name, or I've heard that name, or I'm I'm familiar with his story or whatever. And it's almost I almost have the opposite urge where it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be perceived by this person to be like an information leech. I'd rather just be friends with them and and not ever talk about blackjack, but just like be cool with this person. And I think it's kind of been to my own detriment to not be that, you know, like you ever have a coworker that's like always kissing ass, just trying to climb the ladder. And it's like, I don't, I don't like you as a person because I don't, I can never trust anything you're saying or doing because you're, you're just trying to scramble your way ahead and stepping stone on other people. And right. Yeah. Yeah, It's hard to trust those people because it's like, well, as soon as you're done with me, and you've decided that my value is now less than somebody else's, you're just going to move on or whatever. It's like, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's disingenuous. I don't, I don't, I don't remember what the question was, but no, that's cool. Yeah. That's like getting into more of like the philosophical, like the game within the game, you know, like not only like researching and like, you know, like the actual technical aspects and then like the greater, like, where am I going to go plotting your next move? But then also like the networking you're talking about, like knowing who to trust and like probably you just have to learn by experience and talking to those people. And when the opportunity arises, hopefully you make the right decision and you don't get taken, you know, or. Yeah. Dude. So get a load of this real quick. There's a guy I was, I was traveling to a certain market where I, uh, a guy that I knew casually, just like an acquaintance, not a friend or anything, but just somebody I know through that world. I knew this guy lived down there. So I hit him up like, hey, man, um, you know, I'm not trying to get too much information out of you or whatever, but I'm, I'm going to be down in your neck of the woods in a week or two. Just wondering if you may want to like get together at some point, hang out, you know, like get some coffee or something. He was like, yeah, sure. Cool. And we met up. Super nice guy. Um, left, kept in contact, didn't talk to him for like six months. And then out of the blue, he just hits me up like, Hey, uh, like literally six months later, Hey, uh, how's it going? What's going on? And we were just like catching up a little bit and he's like, I wanted to see if, uh, you wanted to come down here and work, work with me on something. And this guy does let's just say things beyond card counting, lots uh-huh. of other things in the advantage play world. And so I was like kind of suspicious because it's a long time to go without talking. And then like we hung out and got along, but it's not like we were close friends. Right. So I was like, um, yeah, maybe what do you got going on? <laughs> and, like, what is it? What do you, and he's like, um, why don't you just give me a call later and we can talk about it. I was like, um, uh... Okay. Sketch. Yeah, so I never ended up calling him. <laughs> yeah, it it just it just seemed super weird. And then, like a week later, maybe two weeks later, I start hearing from a couple other guys that I know that he had stolen like twenty five, thirty thousand dollars from a couple different guys. Ooh, Jesus. Yeah. So Fuck so imagine if I was that. like, hey, uh, come down here. We're gonna work on this thing let's each put in 25 grand and then we'll go do this move. And then either I just say, Oh, 
we lost it all or i just ghost you never call you back like that's that's the risk you take when you start working with other people so yeah scary though yeah it is so i'm curious that got me thinking too like and uh if you don't want to go down this road let me know um is there anything like the neck what's the next closest thing that's like synonymous with you know or, or can be synonymous with advantage play that you have to be wary of not falling into a trap. Like, are we talking about like drugs or uh, like um, hoe running? No, I mean, it's not a very fun answer, but I would say like mental illness, like, <laughs> because dude, the, the only people I know who have done it for years they will tell you it it takes an incredible toll like on your brain yeah and just like your your mental chemistry too like there's so much you know like dopamine and adrenaline and all this other stuff coming and going it's like it's just not good for you yeah for like so spin long cycle like, in the fucking washing machine yeah you're always kind of looking over your shoulder uh trying to avoid detection i mean one of the one of the biggest stresses is if you travel with a lot of cash i don't know if you're familiar with uh well if you're traveling with a lot of cash at any time you could get robbed right but also i don't know how familiar you are with civil asset forfeiture where a cop pulls you over and finds twenty thousand dollars and thinks huh this smells like marijuana so we think it's related to drug trafficking so we're going to take it Mm-hmm. And now it's up to you to prove that it's not right. related to a crime. And if you can't, we're just going to keep it. Like we're, we don't, uh, we don't have to charge you with a crime or anything. Fuck we can, that. we can just suspect it and steal it. Damn. It's, it's pretty scary. Yeah. That's fucking nuts. I didn't think about that at all. That's like one of those, I'm sure there's a hundred more different facets like that, that, like the layman wouldn't think about, but once you're immersed in that world. So I guess, I mean, not to get too philosophical or too heavy about it, but like, and this is a pretty personal question too. So uh, answer at your own risk. How sustainable do you see this being? I don't mean this to sound like fucking like Dr. No. Phil or anything like that. I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Like, is the, did you go into this like, and did you think this far ahead? I don't know. Um, like, I'm going to do this for five years or 10 years. Or are you just riding the way of living in the moment as it were? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, kind of that. Cause I mean, it's really just not sustainable long-term. I mean, there are, there are the exceptions to the rule. Like there, mm-hmm. there are a handful of dudes who have been doing it full time for 50 years or whatever. Right. And they can turn but, it off and on and they can, it doesn't bleed into like normal life with all those other things you're talking about, like the, what it takes to like maintain that level of like stick to it of itiveness and like, not like breaking down for all the stresses that are involved with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's probably going to be something that's kind of always there. Maybe as like a part-time thing mm-hmm. because doing, doing it full-time is, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I can so imagine. I guess, I guess we'll kind of just see how it goes, but yeah. And I, I think I'm curious too about um, what we were talking about a, a little earlier, how you were talking about like the perils of, you know, like uh, 
you know, people jumping into it and like thinking it's all fun and it's not, it's like you got to yeah. put in the hours and the time and everything. Like, cause I can think like just for myself, like, like the first thing that jumps out would be like the atmosphere you're in kind of be pretty, pretty neat having that kind of freedom and you're not tied down with like a traditional nine to five. You're not answering to a boss. You're your own, you, you know, you're the master, of your own destiny kind of things. And, uh, it seems like it would be really hard to temper that with like the discipline involved, like, you know, sticking and staying, making it pay, weathering those, those storms. Um, I don't know. I think that's just a comment really. I'm not, I thought I was you're, you're to right. a question, but. Well, you're, you're right because it is, it is very attractive from the outside looking in, mm-hmm. especially, especially if, so one of the, one of the reasons I was, I was trying to make sure it was something I wanted to do was, is this something I actually want to run towards or am I just like running away from my current situation? So you, you see this too, like with, with people who they're very excited about it because like you said, it's very uh, attractive from the outside, but a lot of people are also just trying to run away from whatever shitty situation they're in. And they see it as like, Oh, this is, this is just an easy easy living or whatever. Right. So yeah, that's, that's definitely something that needs to be thought about. Yeah. Have you given any thought to like, you know, expanding and, and at least just checking it out to see what it is uh, all about, like Atlantic city or like, you know, more towards the East coast. Cause I imagine just like with anything, you know, like there's different vibes, there's different, you know, ways of operating in like, you know, California, Arizona, Nevada casinos versus going, you know, hitting like Branson and like more of the Midwest. And like, there's like a different, you know, there's a different dance going on with the vibe and the people out on the East coast, I'm sure too, because they're more established and they've been doing it. They've been at it longer kind of thing. Yeah. So I've never been to Atlantic city. And from what, from what I hear, the quality of blackjack there is almost non-existent um this poor yeah i i'm sure that there are opportunities there for blackjack but i i don't know it doesn't sound like they're that great so if if i happen to be in the region and i wanted to get hiv and maybe play some blackjack i might go check it out (laughs) but yes there are let's just say there are a lot of good markets from coast to coast, you know, north, south, east, and west. There's a lot of places, and they they just keep building more because turns out people love giving their money away. So, yeah. <laughs> is there anything like distinctly like regional that is like like a stark difference? How the game's played and like how you're able to operate. Like, is it maybe a little bit easier um, or advent? Are you? Yeah. I mean, obviously, so, like, sticking close to home sounds like nicer because you don't have to all the travel and all that shit but yeah so i mean there are a couple things like the state of new jersey is not allowed to ban card counters because of a a state law uh same with missouri they're not allowed to but what they can do is just countermeasure you so instead of instead of identifying you as a card counter and saying and coming over and say you gotta leave they'll just say you can bet 25 dollars and that's it you know or right. they'll they'll cut the shoe in half, or you know, it's 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 effectively the same. 
but it then, even but sounds then there's more, a, it's not, I remember we talked about some of those countermeasures that they can employ against you to skirt, you know, just, I'm going to kick you out for, yeah. for counting cards or we're saying you are. Um, it almost sounds like those are even better uh, options for the casino because it makes you quit. It demoralizes you into being like, well, yeah, I just, I can't, my hands are tied. I can't fucking play here. Then, you know, it almost yeah, seems like it's that a, would be the move versus saying, Hey, we're kicking you out. It's yeah. It's a distinction without a difference. Yeah. It, it's just a different flavor of the exact same thing, which is unfortunate. So it's unfortunate on one hand because it's like, I'm not doing anything wrong. Why am I being punished and being told to leave when I'm not doing anything wrong? On the other hand, the fact that they can kick you out, it means that the games remain beatable. So mm-hmm. if if it was a nationwide thing that was like, you can't ban people from counting cards, you can't limit the way they play, you can't limit their betting, you can't you know unfairly alter the game at all based on this person's skill level, guess what? That game's going away. Because the yeah. casinos are not just going to offer a, a they're not going to have a loss leader on the on the floor where it's like, okay, well we know that we know we're going to get hammered here. They'll just put in another fucking CSM table or the uh, the continuous shuffle machine that we the talked black about, box or thing where you can't see the the deck. Yeah, or or they'll put in another pie gow table or roulette or some other bullshit game. So Speaking it's a, of it's which, sort of a catch. Have you it, ever thought? Say, it, oh, sorry. Go. No, the last thing I was, it's just sort of a catch 22 that the fact that the game is beatable brings in losing players, right? So casual gamblers who think they know how to play are the casino's bread and butter, right? You know, they're preying on that, that that instinct or like someone just hears that, you know, and they think they can jump in zero training, zero anything. And it's like, I can beat this because I'm fucking me. You know, like yeah, and they're they're idiots who play on feel and intuition, and right. casinos love that. Is uh, are there any other games that you've seen, uh, or like oh, I might try to branch out or like you know div- diversify your play at all, or is it just like nope, yeah, down, just this, yeah, you can. So you you get into an area where blackjack in general and card counting specifically it's so widely available it's kind of the appeal if you if you were to try to get into a more niche thing like there there are certain side bets that you can get an advantage on but they're not everywhere and well so the the difference between regular card counting and some of these other advantage plays is the amount of time it takes to find some of these other opportunities versus playing time. So there are, there are other plays you can make where you have a higher edge, but it might take you 10 times as long to find. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So with blackjack, it's a, a, a small amount of scouting and a lot of playing time. Right. With some of these other things, assuming you have the knowledge on how to even do them, it's a shit ton of scouting and much less playing time. Right. So that would take a certain kind of mindset, you know, like people that are more yeah. into that side of, of the thing would make more sense. Yeah. Like like a, a a guy who's like a football or baseball fan is like a stat guy versus a guy that like wants to see home runs and like wants the live experience and just enjoys the game overall. Um yeah. outside of, or separate of like the statistical rabbit hole you can go down in nerdery. Um yeah, I think 
think it's about time we got to start winding winding this sucker yeah. down. Um, is there anything else topical or that you can think of that you wanted to touch on or no, no, I don't want to, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I mean, I'm sure more little stories will come up just in like normal conversation as things spark. Memories. Yeah, I know, I know we didn't get into a, a ton of anecdotes, but yeah, maybe we can come back to like and sprinkle them in maybe not do a, a dedicated uh episode on but i'm sure could, like you even said you you forgot you had to go back and and like think or look at your your records of and things jumped out you know like oh yeah that fucking weird yeah. thing happened like, like i can that, i can that, i can leave i can leave you with one yeah just to kind of fin- finish this out uh that was pretty funny. So I I mentioned earlier that the first the first casino I'd ever get, get got kicked out of was in Las Vegas on that trip, and I wasn't spreading very much at all because I was still just like in practice mode. But this casino is a shithole, and it's <laughs> it's off strip, and let's just say their clientele has uh has an interesting relationship with the law. So it is just. It, it's a shithole. That's the only way to describe it. And big dogs, the, t-shirts and house shoes. Oh God. It's like, it's like gangbanger central. Oh, okay. And, and you know, of all, of all colors of the rainbow, I'm not making this like a black, white, Asian, whatever. It's like all different flavors of just the absolute thuggiest gangsters. And so I'm playing in this casino. I'd never been kicked out before. And I wasn't spreading very much at all, and I was just playing. But I, I, I went on a pretty good run, and I was winning. And this young, blonde, like, pit boss lady comes over and is like, oh, hey, how's it going? I'm like, oh, it's good, you know, just playing. She's like, yeah. She's like, do you mind if I just get your ID real quick? And in my mind, I was like, I mean, I'm winning, but I'm not winning that much. I don't think she's kicking me out. I thought maybe she was a host, because what hosts are are um so hosts go around and they find people who are gambling decent money and they're like let me get you a room let me get you a buffet comp and yeah they try to keep these people comfortable so they'll lose more money uh and there wasn't like anybody else playing at the time so i was like oh she's probably just a host or whatever and so i give her my id and it was so so dumb to do that it's the only time i've ever done it and (laughs) It was your first time you got kicked out. I'm sure you were pretty green still. It it was. And I mean, this place was such a shithole. They were announcing any bet over a hundred dollars. Oh wow. They would like shout it. Yeah. And I mean some <laughs> some some casinos on the strip, even downtown at some of those shitty casinos, you see people betting thousands like it's nothing. Damn. And so so she comes back with my ID and now she's got like three other suits with her. And I'm like, oh shit, this is not what I thought. I thought I was gonna get something for free, and <laughs> and now, you know, she's telling me I have to leave or whatever. And and so I was like, all right, you know, I was trying not to let it go to my head because it's it's Vegas; they'll kick you out for just looking the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But it was nice, like, hey, that means they they ran an evaluation on me and thought I was good or what. In my mind, in in hindsight, that's not necessarily true. They just saw me winning. They're like, get scared here. Anyway, yeah. So fast <laughs> fast forward. A year or two later, I'm in the same casino and I'm playing. And so 
let's just say when I first got kicked out, the spread I was using was one to four, one to four units. I was betting from $25 up to a hundred dollars, which is, it's not very much. And I think it was like a $25 minimum table. So it's not a huge spread. So for the purpose of illustration, we'll just say I was using a one to four spread, which is pretty tight, but they still clipped me. So I come back a year or two later, and now I'm using a one to 120 unit spread, which is just belligerent and just straight up rude to use with them. (laughs) And, and so I'm kind of like going back and forth. I went up big early and then like lost it. And I was about, I was, I was grinding it back. I was about even, and the count starts going up and this dude who had been over at the crap table, which I don't know how much time you spent in a casino, but the crap table seems to be bumping all the time and they are having the most fun winning $5. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. So it's like dude every movie I've it. ever seen. It's like the craps table is just like nuts. It, dude, that's real. It, it, it could be <laughs> 11 AM on a Tuesday and it's, it's just going. So I think this guy had lost all his money on craps. So he's just kind of walking around watching <clears throat> and he comes over to my table and I thought he was going to sit down. So to be nice, I was like, oh, hey, did you want to, did you want to sit down? Like, cause it's, it's okay. You know, some people will wait. They're like weirdly superstitious. And so he's like, nah, I'm going to just watch. It's like, oh, okay. Well, in my mind, I'm like, please don't kill me if I want a lot of money. Cause he was definitely like a street dude. And so he's just sitting behind me watching and the count goes way up and I start winning a shit ton. And every once in a while, he'll, he'll just be making these little comments like, yeah, hell yeah. Like, like rooting me on. And he's just like, Oh, I love to see that. Like, cause I would just pull some crazy hand and and beat the dealer and win this huge bet. And he's just like, Oh, yeah and <laughs> so you have just like unofficial hype man all of a sudden yes yes <laughs> and he was saying some of the funniest shit like oh you love to see that <laughs> <laughs> and uh so now the same blonde pit boss from before oh she's there and i can tell she's nervous because you know i've got flavor flav behind me and he is into it like he is loving this. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, get that money, boy, and oh, just God, like rooting me on. my shit out in the street, man. And and she she's watching the game like fuck. I've got to kick this guy out. The this gentleman behind him is probably not going to be happy about it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, up until this point, the guy he had been kind of just quietly reserved, like hell yeah, fuck yeah, just these little comments. Mm-hmm. And so she comes over sheepishly like with her head down to me and it's like, do you have your ID on you? And I was like, Oh, Oh, so this is another one of my favorite moves and it it throws them off and they don't like it, but I don't care if you just say like, Oh no, I don't have it. They're like, Oh, sorry. You have to have it to be in the casino, which is not true. You don't have to have your ID to be in a casino. You just have to be 21. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just another one of the things they lie to you about. So my move, which is fun is when they come over like, "Uh, excuse me, do you have ID on you? I go, Oh yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, well, can I see it? It's like, oh, no. No, you don't need to see it. (laughs) No, you don't need to see it. (laughs) And so it gives them that glimmer of hope, like, oh, this dipshit's about to give me his ID. And then they ask for it, like, oh, well, no. No, I mean, I have it, but no, you can't see it. So she comes over, and she's, like, all meek, like, 
do you have your ID on you? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Can I see it? Like, oh, no. no definitely Psych. Not. Yeah. And then she's like, <laughs> okay, well, if you don't, if you don't have your ID, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And she's like, uh, go ahead and color up. And so I ask her about the cage or whatever. And she's like, no, 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 no problem. I could tell she just doesn't want to make a scene. Right. Because I've got this one man fan club behind me. Yeah. And <laughs> so uh, to, to sort of ham it up a little bit, I like push my chips in and she, the dealer's coloring me up. And I turn to the guy behind me and I like, I like shrug and like throw my hands up like the fuck. And he's like, what's going on? He starts to get pissed. I'm like, they're not going to let me play anymore. And so he looks at the woman. He's like, why? Cause he winning. <laughs> and she's like, no, it's just a policy. If he doesn't have ID and he's like, man, this is some bullshit. Just cause he winning, you all kick him out. And I'm just sitting there like, yes, eat it. bitch. <laughs> uh, he's fighting your battles for you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and, and so I'm I'm amping him up a little bit. Like I know it's fucked up. Yes, yeah, bullshit. <laughs> it is bullshit. Yeah, and hey. he's like, oh man, that ain't cool. <laughs> you know, dude, that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> hey, you know, the more I think about it, those are my quarters. Uh... <laughs> Why? Because he winning? I will never forget that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so. That's going to conclude part two on uh, card counting. Um, maybe we'll try to think of it and sprinkle in some some anecdotes down the road. But Or if there's popular demand, uh, let us know what you thought of the show. Um, I don't know how much more we could ring out of this, but maybe uh, we'll entertain it, oh, yeah. I suppose. But um, yeah, let us know. Uh, or if you have any other comments, hit us up at wax at waxingtheporpoise.com. And also, if you want to uh, check us out on social media, we're at Instagram, Waxing the Porpoise, and Twitter, at Waxing the Porp. We actually do, we, we, f- we have our first review. We've actually got some, some five-star ratings on, uh, on Apple Podcasts, which is like the benchmark, I, I suppose. But um, this is our actual first, well, let me take that back. This is our, our first or second actual written review (laughs) the first one's pretty funny okay so the first comment we had is from info mason online and it's y h r s s which i'm classic yeah i'm translating as yes (laughs) (laughs) like hell yeah uh and that was for episode two on jason simpson so y h r s s yeah i'm sure it wasn't like uh Someone like a cat out. walked across a keyboard or something. Yeah, it could have been. The dude's just like this. I like this episode sucked. Yours. <laughs> I like I like I like your interpretation better. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm taking it. So, um, shout out to Big Buffalo or whatever his name was. Info Informacion Online. Um, thank you. Uh, for the support. And our second review. Uh, this is uh. Uh, Apple podcast review we got from Go Throb. Uh, wax on. These two gentlemen deliver a rousing discussion covering a wide variety of topics, movies, mysteries, and oddities of all sorts. Slam it into your ears. You'll be happy you did. Hell well, yeah. Yeah. Yours. Yeah. Yours. Uh, 
Thank you yeah. very, very much. Go throb. Go, th- go throb. Throb on. Wax on. Um, Hell yeah. I'm cool. Throb it. uh cool so yeah uh that's it for this episode um next week uh we're actually we're finally delving back into uh a case of the unexplained the unsolved unresolved uh and it will be on colin finnerty uh who he's a case from uh missing 411 uh with david polides that i heard on a podcast he kind of cherry picked out of his thousands of cases of missing persons that he's um researched and and written a ton of books on and he would his case in particular is one that i just thought was super interesting and uh i think that'll be a good discussion so that if you want to look ahead uh check out uh the the death and disappearance of Colin Finnerty, Finnerty. Uh, that's who we'll be talking about next week. So, until then, uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, don't be afraid to uh, shoot us a review or a rating uh, if you are so inclined. And thanks again for joining us on this one. We will catch you next time. Yours. Yours. <laughs> Mr. Son of a Beach, let's play some cards.